0: John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. There you'll find these words. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said a second to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And and Peter responds to him, to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you. When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and go, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God. For God's words may be seated in the presence of God. Your, your prayers today, I'd like, to tag, I'd like to tag this text with the topic recalled, recalled, recalled. I can't imagine how he must have felt early on that morning, back to the place that he'd left alongside those who made the decision to drop everything and follow Jesus, trying to find a way in their new reality. In many ways, it felt familiar, and at the same time, it was all new. In light of everything that had happened in the preceding days and weeks, heading to the shores of the Sea of Galilee to fish was probably the most comfortable and comforting thing for Peter and his comrades to do. Yet in the comfort, there were the reminders of how his life had been changed in the last three years. In fact, being on the boat at night, And catching nothing was surely a reminder of how things were before he met Jesus. Being in the place where Jesus compelled him to change his title from fisherman to fisher of men. Surely pressed play on the memories of his experience with Jesus over their time together. Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus turning an unproductive night of fishing into an abundant catch of fish. Jesus inviting Peter to walk on the water in the midst of the storm. Jesus celebrating Peter's recognition of him as the Messiah, then rebuking him for seeking to stand in the way of Jesus's mission. Jesus bringing Peter along with James and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. All of the people that Jesus healed, the multitude, Of people that Jesus fed, the parables used to illustrate the lessons about the kingdom of God, the conversations and moments that were left hidden from scripture. There were some good times in the life and in the relationship between Peter and Jesus. But there were also some challenging moments. After celebrating the Passover meal together, Jesus meets Peter's declaration of loyalty, but the foretelling of Peter's denial. Just before Jesus is arrested in the garden, Jesus implores them to watch and pray, but they fall asleep. As Judas and the temple guard arrive to arrest Jesus at Gethsemane, Peter attacks one of those in the arresting entourage, which brings down the chastisement of Jesus to stop the violence. And as vehemently as he was willing to defend Jesus in the private spaces when they were there together, Peter turns around and in the courtyard of the chief priest brings Jesus's prophecy to pass as he denies even knowing who Jesus is. And surely there was the knowing look that was exchanged between Peter and Jesus that night after Peter's denial. As Jesus handed, was handed over to be brutalized and crucified by the Roman government at the behest of the Jewish religious leaders. And absent from the crowds that lined the streets of the Via Della Rosa, absent from the hill of the skull where Jesus was crucified, absent from all of those spaces was Peter. Perhaps one of the most difficult burdens to carry is the guilt and the shame that comes from letting those that you love down. It is a feeling that I'm sure all of us at some point in time or another have had to experience because none of us are perfect. None of us get it right all of the time. Yet even offering ourselves that bit of grace can seem like a minor consolation for us as we navigate our way through the consequences of our actions. And not just the consequences that impact our external lives but even more the ones that impact us internally. I would imagine That as Peter uttered his third denial of Jesus and the rooster crowed, that he began to feel the weight of doing exactly what Jesus said he would do and the weight of not living up to who Jesus said he was. You remember that in Matthew 16, just after Peter declares Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus goes on to say, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as Peter continues his, in his journey, he carries this idea and identity with him. Yet under the weight of the moments leading up to Jesus's crucifixion, it seems as if the rock crumbles under the pressure. Who Peter thought he was, in fact, who Jesus said that he was seemed to be a fallacy even on the other side of the resurrection. And the damage that is done to our, to our identities and our self-perception, because who we thought we were doesn't align with what we have done, can be so deep and brutal that it causes us to go into hiding just like Peter did. We have to figure out what to do when the darkness of our shortcomings catches up with us. We know what God has shown us. We know what God has spoken to us and over us. We also know what we did to mismanage what was entrusted to us. We walk with the guilt and the shame of falling short of the promises we made and start viewing ourselves through the lens of our mistakes and not the reality of who God has still called us to be. This is a reality in our relationships with God and each other. We are not going to get it right all of the time. We, we are going to stumble and fall. We are going to make choices that pull us away from being our best selves. We are going to do things that disappoint others, that dishonor relationships and deny God. But even in that, we are not our mistakes. We are who God says we are. And we have to get to the place where we allow ourselves to be defined more by God than by guilt. We have to shift our perspective to see ourselves through the eyes of our Savior instead of framing, instead of the framing of shame. Jesus took the guilt and the shame and the mistakes and the sin that exists on Calvary's hill and covered them with his blood. And the only way that they are able to still have power in our lives is because of the power that we give to them. That is the beauty of what Christ has done for us. We can lay aside the weight of the sin and the shame and offer offer lives off of our lives because of what Christ has already done for us. In other words, it's already been covered. The debt has already been paid. We just have to accept and live into that reality. Before the breakfast in John 21, Jesus and Peter had a private encounter just after Jesus' resurrection but we don't know the contents of this conversation. Even if reconciliation had taken place privately, the Seaview breakfast was perhaps still awkward with the lingering uncertainty of the unresolved. No doubt that Peter had struggled with what all this meant for the particular calling that Jesus had given him, and even more, his perhaps jaded perspective of himself. Jesus, in full resurrected form, Sharing in fellowship with the disciples strikes up a conversation, turns and strikes up a conversation with Peter. Do you love me? Jesus asks. You know I do, Peter replies. Feed my sheep. Jesus responds. Jesus does this twice more, leading Peter uh, to become a bit upset with Jesus, for despite what he had done, the love that he had for Jesus still remained. It is perhaps the most important moment in the continuing movement of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ because Peter becomes paramount to its beginning and carrying the message forward in the days to come. And so Jesus uses this opportunity to set Peter back on course and remind him of what he had been called to do. What Peter had done didn't derail what Jesus said about him. It didn't change his place in the plans that God had for him. And more importantly, it didn't impact the love that the Savior had for him. This was a conversation, this conversation was a reminder for Peter and the other disciples uh, present that our shame, our guilt, and our mistakes don't override the call of Christ on our lives. And that's good news for us today. No matter what we have done, no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many times we've messed up, No matter how many failures or losses are on our record, God still loves us. God still desires to use us. God still desires relationship with us. God still wants to use our lives as a testament to God's glory. And all we have to do is live in the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us over living into the power of the sin that so easily besets us. You know what you did. God knows what you did. And at the end of the day, God is still saying, I am calling you. In many ways, Jesus is issuing to Peter a recall on the other side of everything, the different perspective. Jesus is reestablishing that call for Peter's life. And in similar ways, Jesus shows up to us on the other side of falling short to recall us to the places and the spaces with new understanding, with greater perspective. It is the epitome of grace it's the epitome of the grace of another chance to get it right. So what are the parts of this recall that we see in the text? The first thing, quickly, I'll be out of your way. This ain't a, I don't know what kind of sermon this is. This is it's awkward for me. <laughs> parts of the recall in the text. First is the reconciliation of our issues. The reconciliation of our issues. Check the text. Jesus in verses 15 through 17 asked Peter the same question, do you love me, three times. In fact, the first question is more specific. It says, do you love me more than these? Some scholars suggest that the more than these relates to the fish because they had returned to their previous vocation. Others suggested that Jesus was referring to the other disciples that were gathered with them. And this is because Peter had previously made statements about his level of love for Jesus before the crucifixion. Either direction opens up a line of communication that allows for reconciliation of the issue. And what is the issue? It is solidifying that the love that Peter boastfully proclaimed um, for Jesus was still a reality. Peter said his love was so great that he would be willing to die for Jesus. Then he turns around and denies Jesus three times. But after a moment of failure, Jesus comes back to Peter and asks him three times about the love he has for Jesus. Three denials, three questions about love to bring about reconciliation. For Peter, his actions didn't live up to the love he proclaimed, yet Jesus was ready to make it right with him. And this is so often the case in our relationships where there is a misalignment of, with our words and our actions. Yet this is the part that Jesus helps us with because regardless of what was done, Jesus gets right to the point with Peter, and often this is what reconciliation requires for us, to get right to the point of whatever is stopping us from moving forward and dealing with it. We can't be expected to live into the fullness of who God desires for us to be if we can't find ways to accept the grace being extended to us for our missteps. And this is what Jesus's question really represents for us. It is an example of the grace that God extends to us that we ought to and that we ought to extend to one another in order that we move toward a greater good. Perhaps this is what Jesus had in mind at this moment. There was a greater mission at hand. There was greater work to be done. There was something bigger that was being orchestrated. Jesus was looking ahead at what was to come. And he wanted to give opportunity for Peter to be freed from the bondage of the past, of his past mistakes. And while Peter's denial was a bad moment, it ultimately didn't derail the plan of God from moving forward. And often we have to recognize that the moments of our failing, of failing in our lives are huge in the moment, but minor in compared to the calling that God has entrusted us with in the mission that God has given to our lives. And we we can recognize that. Reconciling our issues with God and reconciling uh, our issues with one another becomes something that we can boldly embrace with a focus on what will be and not on what has been. In short, reconciling the issues matters because there is more for us. There is more love. There is more life. There is more purpose. There is more. So we need to reconcile our issues so that we can experience the more that God has for us told you I'm not going to be long. Second point, the dealing, with, dealing with reconciliation of our issues, we have to look at redirection of our actions. Paul responds to Jesus' questions each, each time with an increasing intensity. You know that I love you, Lord, is his reply. He has declared his love before being asked these questions on the other side of his denial of Jesus. Uh, and they had a different meaning now. He did love the Lord, and he acted in ways that proved that he thought proved that by his desire to defend Jesus and cutting off the ear of the priest's servant in Gethsemane. But he also fell short when he was pressed in the courtyard for fear of his life. And as we read these verses, we can sense the sincerity in his tone. It says in verse 17 that he was upset or frustrated with the questions, responding, to, uh, responding Lord, you know all things, so you know that I love you. And yes, Jesus did know, but this moment was less about Jesus being clear about Peter's disposition and more about an opportunity for Jesus to help Peter understand what love looks like in action in his life. And in this process of our recalling and reengaging in the purposes that God has for us, it requires that we learn that we have to change our approach in order to manage the purpose that has been given to us. We have to do things differently than perhaps what might make sense for us. And to do that means that we have to be in tune with the voices of the Spirit of God leading us and even the voices of those whom our lives impact. This is no easy task. I'm telling y'all, this is something that I struggle with, and I know that I'm not alone. We all can struggle with redirection of our actions, but it is necessary in order to achieve what God desires to achieve through our lives. And this is why... The repetitive nature of Jesus' response to Peter matters. He is saying, you showed that you loved me uh, the way that you knew how, but now I need you to do it the way I'm telling you to do it. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. He's saying to us, love isn't just a word, but should be an action that we take. Love shows up in what we do more than what we say. And I saw a post this week on social media. Somebody posted it and reposted it a few times. It said, I can't understand people who say that they love their church, but then won't do anything for the church. And I was just like, whoa, because it's not just true in the church, but it's true in our relationships with one another. It's true in our relationship with God that we have to not just say that we We love, but we have to show that we love. And so Jesus gives Peter something to do from a place of love. It's from a place of love because when you think about it, Peter's denials, Peter's cutting off the ear of the priest servant came from a place of fear. It wasn't because of love. Sure, he was trying to defend Jesus, but it was from a place of fear. He was fearful of what was going to happen to Jesus. He was fearful of being caught up, fearful of being caught up uh, in the courtyard and him being dragged off with, with the religious leaders to be taken and crucified alongside Jesus. He was fearful. But now Jesus is saying, you have to move in love. Jesus had to redirect him so that he could answer the call and do it in a way that was pleasing unto God told y'all I'm short. I'm, I'm done. Dealing with our recall. God is recalling us. It requires reconciliation of our issues, a redirection of our actions, and finally, a recalibration of our identity. Verses 15 and 17. Jesus responds to Peter telling him to feed his lambs and to tend his sheep. Both the words feed and tend are used interchangeably here for the idea of shepherding. Peter's call was to pastor or shepherd the people of God in this next season of God's movement in the world. This call goes back to Peter's closeness and relationship with Jesus and role as a leader leader among the disciples. That role would be expanded in the future, but it was who Jesus had called him to be, and Jesus uses this moment to remind him of that that he was not the one who denied Jesus. That was not his identity. But he was the one who confessed Jesus as the Messiah, as the fa- whose confession of Jesus as the Messiah, rather, becomes the foundation for the church. The challenge with our mistakes and our missteps is that often we identify ourselves more by what we've done wrong than who we are called to be. I'm going to let that sit. I might say it again. The challenge with our mistakes And our missteps is that we often identify ourselves more by what we've done wrong than who we are called to be. And this causes all kinds of insecurities and issues with our own view of ourselves that we become jaded to how God sees us. Peter would need to be confident in, the, in who the Lord has called him to be in order to move as the leader of establishing the Christian church. Peter gave the first sermon in the Christian church just a few weeks later from this moment. But he can't do that if he's not confident enough to stand knowing who he is. His denial of Jesus didn't disqualify him. And whatever might be on your rap sheet doesn't disqualify you. So now is the time to stop identifying yourself by what you've done and to start identifying yourself by what God has called you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created in the image of God. You have meaning. You have purpose. God has called you to do something incredible and amazing in the earth for God's glory. And that's where you need to rest. That's where you need to stand. That needs to be your foundation, not all the other stuff. The Lord knew what you were going to do before you did it. Yet your actions don't disqualify you from the good things that the Lord has for you. Because the blood. I know I keep coming back to the blood. (laughs) Because the blood covers us. The blood covers us. The blood covers us. Was cleaning off the refrigerator recently, and there was a uh, postcard on there for um, that came from Nissan. We used to have a Nissan Pathfinder, and it came from Nissan, and it was a uh, it was a postcard that said, "Hey, there is a part that is defective that we found defective on these Nissan Pathfinders between these years, and we need you to bring take it to your nearest Nissan dealer um, because there's a recall on the product And I thought about that thing because what recalls do with automobiles is you take them back and it doesn't change the make or the model of the automobile. It doesn't change the fact that it's a Nissan Pathfinder or that it's a Mercedes Benz or that it's a Volvo or that it's a Honda Accord. It doesn't change the make and model uh, of the car, but it fixes something in order to help the car operate at its maximum capacity. It, It fixes something so that it doesn't cause any damage doesn't cause any lives, cost any lives. It, it brings it back to operating how the manufacturers intended. And all I'm saying to you today is that God is saying, I'm trying to bring you back to who I've created you to be. I am recalling you so that you can sit with me so that I can speak to you and remind you of who you are. Remind you of who you've been created to be. Remind you of the purpose that you've been giving. I am calling you back to me so that you recognize that mismanaging a moment or mismanaging a season doesn't keep you from what I've called you to. If you can trust me enough and follow me from this point forward. And, and that's how this whole interaction ends, verses 20 and 21. That's how Jesus responds to Peter's final response. He tells him what is going to happen, that, uh, that at this point in time he's able to move and dress himself, but at some point in time he's not. He's going to have to go along because somebody's going to take him and somebody's going to dress him and somebody. And you gotta know how Peter died. He died on an upside down cross because he refused to be crucified in the same way as his Lord and Savior. That 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 that, that verse 20 uh, points to how J- Peter was going uh, to death, how his death was going to glorify God. And then what happens after that? He closes in verse 21. Jesus says to Peter, "Follow." me. The same thing he said to him on the shores of Galilee, the first time that they had an encounter. He says, follow me. The call that he issued to them as they walked along the road and explained to him the cost of what it took for following him. He says, follow me. And I just it's really different kind of message for me today but the Lord just wanted me to let you know that Jesus is recalling you today Jesus is recalling you right now Jesus is saying follow me because I laid down my life for you follow me because I've got resurrection power for you follow me because I've still got purpose for you follow me because whatever you did is not the end Follow me because there is more that I have for your life. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus is recalling us on the other side of whatever it is that we've done. On the other side of whatever it is that we feel like separates us or changes how. God sees us, God is saying, No. I still love you. I forgive you. Let's get to work. Follow me. That's it. <laughs> it's the word of God for the people of God. It's <laughs> stand. could stand all in the room follow follow me is the call for you today i'm gonna be honest with y'all this might have been one of the most this is probably the most you know sermon prep god is really interested in how god does things Um, because often you'll hear preachers say you know You know, you can't, you know, preach a message if it, you know, if it ain't go through you first. You know, you can't, you know. um, But in a real unique way, God has really beat me up. (laughs) With this one. Um, It's really got me with this one. Some of them just kind of hit different, you know. Solely considering my own journey. You know is it's like? All right, I'm going to literally just let y'all in on the conversation that I was having, that I've been having with the Lord for the last two weeks about this text. That guilt, the shame, the sin, mistakes, missteps. God's covered it. and we want to, let's pray. God, we thank you for the power of your word that truly, as we talked about just a couple months ago in Bible study, it truly is a double-edged sword. Separate spirit from soul, bone from marrow. God, today, we thank you for how your word is cut. If it didn't cut anybody else today, God, I'm thankful for how it's cut me. God, just help us to trust you enough that we don't allow our shortcomings to get in the way of what you've called us to do and who you've called us to be. We pray today for someone who is in the room, someone who might be watching online. Desires to start a relationship with you today. They desire to respond to the call that says, "Follow me." God, if that's them today for the first time, God online, just help them to respond and do life in the comments. They're in the room today, having to raise their hand. We might celebrate with them. We might welcome them into your kingdom today. God, we pray for one who needs to rededicate their lives. One who needs to partner with the church family, a church home. God, that you would move on their hearts right now in a powerful way to say yes unto you. God, help us all to wake up every day and say yes to your grace, say yes to your mercy, say yes to the fact that you are recalling us and you want to still do amazing things through our lives. We honor you and we thank you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen esse definimento.